This essay is from Cinema Year Zero. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash year zero cinema. Breening Breathless by Alicia Izumi. During my research for this volume on the pre-code era of Hollywood cinema, I came across a blog called the Pure Entertainment Preservation Society, or PEPS, with the tagline, Save the Arts in America. Their mission is simple, bring back the production code and restore the morals of society. The blog celebrates the stars, fashion and filmmaking of old Hollywood, as well as posting on a range of films and their compliance, or not, with the code, plus links to several petitions to bring it back. This unique combination of passionate cinephilia and zealous dedication to the code set my mind ablaze. The production code was written in response to growing anxieties about cinema's potential power to influence the suggestible members of its audience. Films were being watched by a mass audience of unprecedented numbers, a diverse crowd that included children, the elderly, and those from all walks of life. Or, as the code describes, the cultivated and the rude, the mature and the immature, the self-respecting and the criminal. Note the classist inference. In order to maintain independence from censors, appeased detractors, maintain their mass audience, and most importantly their mass profits, the industry created the Production Code, and later the Production Code Administration, or the PCA, to enforce it. Among the three guiding principles of the code is the need to portray correct standards of life, for example, to ban the rude, no burping, the crude, no vulgar humour, and placate the prudes, no lustful embracing. The second major tenet was to uphold law, natural or human, which for example included banning the depiction of homosexuals, considered a sin, and interracial romance, known as miscegenation, which was illegal. The effects of these rules can still be felt almost a century later as better representation for these relationships and groups are still being fought for today. The most important principle was not to lower the moral standard of those who see it, with no sympathy thrown to the side of crime, wrongdoing, evil or sin. In other words, protagonists must never be criminal, immoral, heathens and their sexuality must be modest. If these things absolutely had to be depicted, it must only be carefully and tastefully alluded to, and in the end, clearly punished. On Peps, every Thursday is Breening Thursday, not named for the infamous so-bad-it's-good filmmaker Neil Breen, but Joseph I. Breen, the head of the PCA from 1934 to 54, the era that Peps heralds as the most robust adherence to the code. On Breening Thursday, the authors of Peps publish blog posts wherein they apply the code to non-code films. Peps argues that Bruning can not only make films more appropriate for wider audiences, but actually improve them. The removal of such elements often leads to the deepening of plot and the development of characters. The PCA worked with filmmakers at every stage of production. Breen's method was to maintain the main plot and themes of the films while removing the unsavoury elements and disguising mature themes with careful implication and delicate innuendo. Peps takes this approach and hypothesises what would happen to a non-code film if they could go back in time and advise the filmmakers of the past. As a fan of erotic thrillers, ambiguous endings and Hollywood sex symbols, what would happen if I breamed my favourite film? Could it be made suitable for a wide audience or even improved? The film that I cherish the most is Breathless, the exhilarating 1983 remake of the 1960 classic. Yes, you heard that correctly. Director Jim McBride and screenwriter L.M. Kit Carson dared to remake the seminal French film by Jean-Luc Godard, in English, in L.A., and starring Richard Gere. The original film follows Michel, played by Jean-Paul Belmondo, a French car thief on the run from the law as he tries to convince his sometime lover Patricia, played by Jean Seberg, an American in Paris, to run away with him. 
The remake translates this to Jesse, played by Richard Gere, an American car thief trying to convince Monica, played by Valerie Kaprisky, an ambitious French architecture student and his one-time lover, to run away with him to Mexico. Richard Gere is on the cusp of sex symbol stardom and gives an unruly and memorably wild performance. It's Eliana Heatwave. It's a steamy 80s thriller and it's Lovers on the Lamb. You don't need to have seen the original to know their relationship is doomed. When Goddard's Breathless was a radical, formal break from establishment cinema, McBride's Breathless brings things full circle, referencing Goddard and classical Hollywood, contemporary Philip Glass and vintage Jerry Lee Lewis, remixing the contemporary with the retro in a dazzling, stylized fever dream that asks the question, can our anachronistic hero survive in a modern reality? To quote Peps, with no further ado, let the breening begin. I'll start with the surface level breening the removal of offensive elements that would not fundamentally alter the core plot of the film. The costumes would have to be thrown out and redesigned, not just the figure-hugging, skin-glimpsing outfits of the protagonists, but the outfits worn by the extras and supporting cast too. Gone are the rippling bodies of the crowds on Muscle Beach, the buxom Las Vegas floozy, and the irritable cross-dresser in the restaurant. While the plot would remain intact, the film loses some of its flavour. Gone is the vivid preservation of Venice Beach, Las Vegas and LA in the 1980s, a sanitised approximation would be left in its place. The profanity would also have to go. I'd be particularly saddened to lose the moment when Lieutenant Parmental, played by John P. Ryan, utters the immortal line, Don't F-U-C-K with the LAPD. This would have to be changed, maybe something like, Don't M-E-S-S with the LAPD. Removing these elements might make some people more comfortable, but this undermines the complex and creative storytelling that can be achieved through costume, mise-en-scene, or the effective deployment of a harsh word. Removing the on-screen sex from the film would not only be a surface-level breen, but a structural, deep breen, weakening the central dialectical tension of the film, fantasy versus reality. In Breathless 83, fantasy is signified by Hollywood, rock and roll, and passionate sex. Time and time again, Jesse turns away from his reality of the manhunt against him to sing Elvis Presley, read comics, chase his dreams and have sex with Monica. Monica must make the same choice. Will she choose the fast cars, the red necklace, the pink dress and the sizzling sex that Jesse offers? Or will she choose her real life, her chic Memphis Milano apartment, the gentle pastels of her college campus, the cool greys of modern architecture that represent her career goals? If her passion with Jessie was represented fully clothed through veiled dialogue and delicate innuendo, the juxtaposition between the two would be weakened. The moment which would be the most difficult to breen would be the film's ending, so here's your spoiler warning, for the way it challenges the code's most valued principle on the alignment of audiences' sympathies for criminal behaviour. The brilliance of the film is perhaps captured best in its final moments. Watching Breathless 83, one wonders how will they tackle the iconic ending of Breathless 60. They can't recreate it, and they don't. Like the original, we find Jesse and Monica in the middle of the road with the cops closing in from all directions. Jesse's friend Baruti tosses him a gun, which lands at his feet. Jesse has a choice, turn himself in or pick up the gun, ensuring his death. To the bewilderment of Monica and the cops, he starts dancing and singing Breathless by his idol, Jerry Lee Lewis. And when he reaches the end of the chorus, he scoops up the gun and bang. The frame freezes and an electrifying punk rock cover of Breathless by the band X plays as the credits roll. Instead of Jesse's death, McBride freezes on Jesse's choice, immortalised on the silver screen like his heroes. He'd rather live fast and die young. In the genius of the freeze frame, Jesse now occupies an interstitial space between life and death, a legend in his own mind and now on the screen. 
However, under Breen, we must lose the ambiguity of the interstitial, and the punishment for his life of crime must be recognised. As per the code, sympathy must not be created for violation of the law. The scene would continue past the freeze frame, with Jesse shot dead and Monica and the cops reacting to the fallout in a pale imitation of its progenitor. Many films of the code era end in this way, from White Heat to Gun Crazy, also prominently featured in Breathless 83, where the gun-toting outlaws unequivocally meet their demise, the final frame resting on the troubled cops who chase them down, uttering the last line and casting moral judgement on the events of the film. It's for these reasons that I deem Breathless 83 unbreenable. But what did we learn about the practice of breening? While Breathless 83 and Peps may seem to have irreconcilable values, they both share a deep reverence for the past. Peps celebrates the Breen era, from the fashion and the stars to the filmmaking and the often uplifting messages. Breathless 83 celebrates old Hollywood, the French New Wave, rock and roll and comic books, and engages with their meanings in a steamy new context. It's postmodernism at its most sensual. But where Breathless transforms its references, Peps freezes them. Peps breens non-code films and realigns them with the code, back to a fixed point in time with a fixed set of values. But society's values are not fixed, and movie classification must evolve to reflect the values of the world it occupies. In the UK, Breathless 83 was classified as an 18 by the BBFC. On home video release, it retained its 18 rating, even with the removal of detailed shots of Jesse picking locks. For the 2015 Blu-ray release, the previously offending scenes were reinstated, and Breathless was reclassified as a 15. The variable nature of moral values is the problem with returning to the code. Not only is the language vague, assuming the reader shares its values, but values vary by social group, by region, by country. Values shift drastically over time, as the changing BBFC classification of Breathless 83 shows us. Did the dissolution of the code change the morals of society, as Peps argues, or did the classification system change to better reflect shifting values, responding to the work of progressive advocacy groups and listening to marginalised voices? I struggled to apply the code to Breathless because what's offensive to Breen is inoffensive to me. I could only guess at what must go, doing my best to apply the nebulous notions of the code and the values of a bygone era. Peps is a pop culture obsessed anomaly, chasing a long lost concept in vain, just like Jesse and Breathless. Maybe that's what's so dreamy to Peps. With the dogged determination, Peps wants to bring back the code, but like Jesse's dreams, it's an anachronistic fantasy incompatible with the contemporary world. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash year zero cinema.